This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good. Oh, there goes the ears. My goodness. Uh, Good morning, Rutherford County. <laughs> Thank you for taking over. I think both my ears are gone right now. But, um, you know, I didn't have any spooks come by my house, but I went out and drove around, and I think that they the costumes were the scariest I have ever seen in my life. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm surprised that, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like they had a special place in what's going on in uh, our country right now. And I, I've never seen it before. Have you ever seen so many uh, spooks dressed up like Democrats? I, I, it just, it was scary. I wondered where you were going with that. I wondered where you were going. Thank you very much. Well, before we go over the edge, let me... I'll make serious comments. Yeah. Uh, good friends of mine, Scott and Gail Porterfield, uh, suffered a very saddening loss. They mm-hmm. had a death of a son, 30 years old, who worked as a uh, with his daddy in a uh, construction business. And I don't know the details, but I do want to extend uh, sympathy and and uh, real sadness to Scott and Gail. And Gail's a retired school teacher. Scott is still active in the construction business. Mm-hmm. On the loss of the son, I know the burial was was yesterday, and uh, it's a tough time of the year to be suffering uh, family tragedies like that. But uh, it really is. And I left. Scott, I left you a message on your phone. Don't be in any hurry about it, but, you know, let's talk when you get a chance. Yeah, that's special. And I know you're known for reaching out to other people. I do want to, also, we lost Mr. Billingsley uh, over the, uh, the this last week, and he, uh, he, he ran uh, a couple of clothing stores here in uh, Rutherford County. In fact... Uh, I remember I was crossing over from the uh, uh, judicial building one day, and he so was hollering at me. And I couldn't figure out what in the world is going on over there. And a bunch of ladies had just about robbed him of all the clothes and had thrown them in a big van, and they were taken off. But bless his heart. But um, he he was a special fella, and uh, he... Um, He's one of those people that you 
you would go into his store whether or not you're buying anything or not. You, he's one of those people that was just so enjoyable to be around. So it, it, it's um, well, certain there, people make a big difference and change your life. That's right. And then there's so many good people out there. You yeah. remind me. I wanted to say thank you, a belated thank you. Oh, you! I saw what it was. Now you are bending down. If I lean close to the equipment, yeah, there you go. Okay, well, I want to say thank you to Janie Campbell. Yeah, that's Mrs. Butch Campbell. It is. And Janie, sometime back, I'm sorry, I don't have the exact date. Uh, passed to you, and you passed to me a scrapbook that she found. I understand in her attic. And it's been laying over on that corner of my desk for a while. Well, I started flipping through it, and it's a real a treasure. Uh, we don't know. It's got a name on it, Buford Brown. She didn't know Buford Brown. Uh, and I, I've not figured out who or why uh, these particular scrapbooks. But uh, I bring that up to say thank you to Janie, but also to encourage anybody out there that's either got an old family scrapbook or stumbles on one. Uh, drop it off at the Rutherford County Historic Society or give me a call and we'll arrange to pick it up because we learn secrets sometimes from the private scrapbooks, the family Mm -hmm. scrapbooks, and frequently we discover pictures of things that we didn't know if pictures existed. So uh, don't throw it away. Give us a chance to go through it. And sometimes, well, this one in particular is falling apart every time I bring it out. Uh, My wife runs and gets the vacuum cleaner. Uh, but uh, we learn things that way. Well, I can tell you right now, all the scrapbooks that I have uh, uh, in my family, they're bur- I'm burning them before I croak. <laughs> I don't want you to get a hold of them. Oh, my. Yeah. Secrets, family secrets. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <coughs> speaking of uh, secrets, what about the, uh, the, the dam over at Sam Davis' home? Well, I understand that a couple of good citizens, uh, Marty Luffman and Mike uh, Waller, Mike Waller, yes, are going to meet with the uh, uh, school board, and the school board owns half the dam, and and some deterioration of the dam is on the school system side, mm-hmm. and uh, Marty and Mike have talked about raising some money and uh, doing the repair just to stop the erosion around on that side. And other than that, it has been declared a uh, contributor, contributing element to the historic Sam Davis farm mm-hmm. and is within the protection of the historic commission. And they've said, leave it, leave it alone, that uh, that's part of the history there. So, what's, what's happened to all the litigation <coughs> money? The mitigation? Yeah. I guess it won't be generated because you had to tear down the dam to generate the, the credits and uh, <laughs> the curious thing is, I know that uh, some very substantial prepayments were made for those credits, which mm-hmm. now are not being generated. So I'm not sure how that plays out. That's uh, someone who's got a, a real inquisitive uh, interest and a, a good uh, head for mathematics ought to do some serious investigation of the mitigation system as it exists in Tennessee because there's an awful lot of money being transferred back and forth through that system. And uh, I'm glad we don't have to fool with it. We'll look at the historic issues. Now, 
did the state actually pay out that money or how is, how is that uh, normally done? Well, we know at least two private developers wrote very substantial checks. Mm -hmm. We actually have seen the canceled checks to this uh, mitigation bank, which calls itself the Cumberland River Compact. And uh, whether they can refund the money now or whether they find substitute credits, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the checks was $195,000. Mm. And I remember I asked him, I said, what'd you get for that? And he says, nothing, just a letter saying I had paid it. Well, maybe they just uh, send it, uh, a big check to the, the, the Rutherford County Schools. Wouldn't that be neat? <laughs> part of it, if in fact something is taken from uh, private property or party, property owned by a nonprofit, uh, in my opinion, it's just like selling any other part of your property. There yeah. ought to be compensation. And uh, maybe we'll avoid that issue here by preserving it under a historic status. Yeah. But well, the two entities, the schools and, and Sam Davis home, should be the, the benefactors, I would think. Uh, all of our listeners, I'm sure, know why the Ooh. Sam Davis home and farm. You uh, had your hand straight up when that went off. Did you put your deodorant on this morning? Uh, see, it doesn't do anything. That's not me. That's you over there on your your computer. Now, you got a button probably that says, whistle now. <laughs> whistle now. Yeah. We, uh, we were leading up to a comment about the Civil War personalities. Not too many weeks back, we talked about the old uh, Confederate veteran who lived on East Main and how he would... Uh, his last years he spent on his front porch mm -hmm. and talked to the people that came by, many who knew him and came to talk to him. Others were, uh, just would be among those walking the East Main Street, and he would speak to them. And, uh, at the time, I couldn't come up with his name. It was Sam Mitchell, and Sam was one of the last three or four living Confederate veterans in Rutherford County. Mm -hmm. In fact, when he died just before World War II, wow. uh, he was thought to be perhaps the oldest living resident of the county. Uh, I'm not sure of that, but that was part of what was said in his obituary. Uh, and uh, I have had occasion, I did have, to talk to one individual who remembered as a as a boy sitting uh, on the steps there at uh, Sam Mitchell's porch and hearing Sam tell stories about the war and the development of the area and, and what have you. <coughs> uh, that was uh, James Doster, Bucky Doster, who uh, was a musician. Mm -hmm. In fact, is in the Musician Hall of Fame uh, up in Nashville, but was a local resident here. And he, he lived on uh, 4th Street, 4th Avenue, which people, uh, not many people realize we have a 1st, 2nd, and 4th Avenue, no 3rd. Yeah. He lived on 4th right near the corner of East Main, and uh, Doster said he carried a paper route and roller skated and bicycled all up and down East Main as a kid. And part of it, his recollection was visiting with Sam Mitchell. Uh, in that, that time period. 
we have in the past talked about, uh, my wife and I the other day saw a video of the old Glenn Miller movie, Glenn Miller story. Yeah. Uh, fabulous music. I'm very fond of the big band music. And I hope uh, many of our listeners my age, your age, and older remember the big band of Murfreesboro, uh, the Lewis Brinkley Orchestra. Uh, Mr. Brinkley, the, the senior Brinkley, was a grocer and uh, had his original grocery store there on the square, and he delivered uh, home deliveries. And it reminds me how things come around, because mm-hmm. right now it's become very popular to have food delivered, prepared food delivered, or your your groceries delivered to the home as opposed to going out. That, of course, was the style back in the 1920s, 1930s <clears throat> for the the major stores on the square as well as the little corner stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd call in on your uh, crank telephone and give your order, and it'd be delivered. Well, Brinkley was such a success in that that he kept having to add bicycle riders, young boys, and buy bicycles. And he got up to about four and decided that, you know, I can't continue this way. Uh, Why not? He probably wasn't paying them hardly anything. They had to go back to school. Oh, that, okay. Uh, I was, got you. He was losing them to the, the schools. Yeah. Uh, and had turnover for that reason. <clears throat> and so he bought a van and painted on the side of the van, uh, Lewis Brinkley Fine Grocery. Fine, fine grocer. Well, his son, who had been one of the bicyclers, who was old enough to now be the van driver mm-hmm. and could make most of the calls you know, d- during the day and uh, apparently could work it in around his school schedule. Uh, but in the evenings, the evenings and the weekend, he would take a banner and tape it on the outside of the truck and cover up fine grocer and put band Oh. Music, and he put together from his local friends a uh, what they called a big band. It was about six or eight, uh, and uh, were the most popular um, source of dance music in the area. Uh, some of the musicians I noted in one of his uh, stories, uh, Robert Broom, Red Neal were playing the trumpets. Johnny Wheeler was the drummer. Horace Beasley played the trombone uh, uh, with James Bucky Doster, mm-hmm. who we were talking about. And uh, Orby Moore, William Hall, Slick Davidson played saxophones. Uh, Mickey Lockhart played the alto sax. And Ben Braswell, Braswell was on the bass fiddle. And they had a singer. Clara Caldwell was their singer that worked with the band. Lewis was the band conductor and the pianist for the orchestra. So all weekend they were usually doing, oh, as the uh, early 19, well, they started in the 1930s, by the 1940s, they were so well established that they played virtually every weekend. Mm-hmm. And then on Monday morning he'd have to take the banner off the side of his daddy's van so he could deliver groceries. Uh, Bucky who I knew because he was for a while the band director for both uh, East High and Lytton 
in Nashville, high schools up in Nash- on the east side of Nashville. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew him from that, so when I found out that he had been part of the Murfreesboro Big Band, uh, I went and talked to him. And I did, had not realized or remembered that he played the trombone left-handed and actually had a, hmm. an, a trombone that he could play left-handed. And uh, when he played with the uh, orchestra, Owen Bradley's orchestra that traveled the country, uh, he was usually introduced as the world's only left-handed trombone player, stri- straight out of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And uh, he said that uh, in the late years of the war, when he was finally old enough to volunteer, they put him in a traveling military band, and he mm-hmm. played Japan during occupation and played around the world with uh, the military bands. He said one time out in California, the Owen Bradley band was playing, and Owen introduced him as the world's only left-handed trombonist. And a fellow out in the crowd said, no, he isn't. I saw one on Saipan in such and such a year. (laughs) And Bucky stood up and said, that was me. I was playing with the (laughs) second division band. And... uh, I need to study the picture, whether he had a unique left-handed trombone or whether he just played the trombone backwards, left-handed. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, <clears throat> watching an old movie of Count Basie and his band, I noticed that there was one trumpeter who played the trumpet left-handed, reversed, but it was a standard trumpet. And it looked funny because he had his hands backwards on it. Uh, he also was the clown of the group and made a show out of that. So it's interesting to, to learn of unique people doing little unique things that go usually unnoticed. You know, Owen Bradley was big time around here. A lot of people, I, I, I guarantee you, most people don't even know that name in today's world. But in, in the 40s and the 50s, I mean, uh, he, he he had a great influence on music uh, nationwide and actually worldwide. And I remember he was, I think it was either Channel 4 or Channel 5 that he had uh, a show that that he would play on. And uh, it, it was remarkable. I, you know, I still look back on those particular days and, and the entertainment industry in Nashville was was pretty much always across the board. People think of uh, country music, but um, I mean, it, it it had everything that you could want in music. Well, Francis Craig was the big band in Nashville, mm-hmm. and he was part of the founding family of a uh, national accident life insurance company mm-hmm. that owned WSM. But he didn't do country at all. He was strictly a big band and. Uh, one song that was an original with him and his band, Near You, yeah. was number one on the pop charts for, I think, like 17 weeks, mm-hmm. which is quite a... So, you know, Nashville, even back then, was having an impact on, uh, you know, the music industry internationally. Uh, but uh, it's been pretty much overwhelmed by our leadership in country music uh, yeah. in this area. They had an, uh, an article... Actually, a pretty nice article in the uh, paper Sunday 
uh, a little magazine that comes with it about Dolly Parton and what what were the things that uh, helped her create all her songs because almost every one of them had to do with either other individuals. Uh, she even said that, that one of the things that would get her mind working was going to a grave site. Mm. She said that there was nothing more fascinating than going to old graves and then picture, you know, what they were like. And, you know, I, I, I actually love to do that too. I would go up there in, in the mountains and they've got these old graves back in the early 1800s and even late 1700s. And, and uh, I, I would sit there and I'm fascinated by that by the people that uh, were here at one time and now they're passed on and, and how their lives were. It, the, those were pretty hard lives back in those days, the hard existence in it. And it was, um, it was amazing. But some of the songs she had written didn't really... Um, uh, I had always thought of other things that had given her uh, the uh, mindset to write some of those songs. And I wasn't even close on some of them. I'll Always Love You, which uh, is a big, big time uh, song. And uh, it wasn't anything like I, I thought it would be. And I'm not going to mention it anymore. <laughs> okay. Uh, I did stumble on some trivia about a, a name that used to be very, very prominent in Murfreesboro and still family descendants are here but the the name as a surname is appeared and uh, some of us still struggle with how you say Jatun Jatun J-E-T-T-O-N and uh, if you go back into the early land records when they first were subdividing and developing Murfreesboro you see that name Mm-hmm. And uh, wisely, uh, the name first appears up around Je- where Jefferson was. But when uh, things were being moved from Jefferson down to Murfreesboro, the Jatun uh, patriarch at the time came down and purchased uh, a lot in the original subdivision. So you see the name there very early. But it was in the uh, 20s, 30s when James Jatun was very prominent uh, in in the community. And uh, I had known from some earlier research that the Jatun family name is still prevalent in Cannon County. Uh, Found Mm. some descendants there. Turns out James Jatun was raised in Cannon County and uh, (coughs) on a farm in Cannon County. Uh, When he became of age, he enrolled in uh, a normal school and got a teaching qualifications. Mm-hmm. Taught for a few years in Cannon County just as a school teacher. But what he was doing was putting away enough money to get himself enrolled in Cumberland Law School. And he got a law degree, which was a pattern you see with a number of people uh, in that period. Uh, but at that point, Curiously, he uh, graduates, gets his law degree, and moves to New Mexico. And I have found nothing to explain why he moved to New Mexico, except you can assume that maybe he had a personal relationship 
with another lawyer who was just setting up in New Mexico and was a native of New Mexico. That fellow's name uh, may be a little familiar to some. It was uh, Albert Bacon Fall, F-A-L-L. And at the time that he and our Jatun created their law practice mm -hmm. in New Mexico, uh, Fall was just returning to New Mexico, having served two years as a U.S. Secretary of the Interior. Hmm. He served under Warren G. Hardy. Sound familiar? Yeah. He, uh, that would have been early 1920s. And if you look him up on, uh, look Fall, F-A-L-L, -L, uh, online, a little short paragraph at the opening of his biography says, the only American citizen, or the first, excuse me, the first American uh, member of a president's cabinet to be convicted of a felony as a result of his time in uh, the presidential cabinet. And I thought, who in the world? Uh, the Teapot Dome scandal. Hmm. Uh, while serving as Secretary of the Interior, Fall took bribes to give access to what then was these new uh, uh, finds of oil and gas out in the Midwest, Wyoming in particular. Uh, when it first came to light, he resigned. And it's interesting that soon after he resigned, when he returned to Mexico, and Jatun joined him. Jatun mm -hmm. coming right out of law school. Uh, the information says most of their work related to land uh, problems and such. I'm getting a lot. Well, I, I was thinking you were doing that on purpose because you were talking about fall, and it sounds just like a waterfall. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, Jatun uh, practiced in uh, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. He was a Cannon County boy practicing law in New Mexico until the uh, uh, conduct of his partner caught up with him. And his partner, Fall, was tried and convicted of bribery uh, while serving as Secretary of the Interior and sentenced to one year in prison. And actually... Uh, served the time, or at least served uh, nine months of the, of the year. Apparently when he went to prison, which was by then late in the 20s. Ooh. Yeah, Mr. Somebody uh, took care of it. <clears throat> I hope we're the only ones that could hear it. Yeah. Jatun, uh, at that point, returned to this area and set up a, a law firm here in Murfreesboro. Mm -hmm. and apparently began uh, making uh, some use of his uh, earlier contact because he very quickly was clerk and master of the Chancery Court and uh, set up his own business in addition to the uh, practice of practice of law. And he is generally credited as the uh, one who brought us our first luxury hotel, the James K. Polk Hotel. Mm -hmm. He headed the local effort to uh, raise the funds and... Uh, oversaw the building and when it was finally uh, opened in about 1931 
he was basically what we'd call the manager of the hotel. Some other research, though, suggests that uh, our friend we've talked about many times, A.L. Todd, mm -hmm. was actually the, the force behind the project, conceived the project, uh, was instrumental in putting up the money, but he put Jatun up as the front man. So you have A.L. Todd in the background pushing the project forward and Jatun on the front end uh, doing the legwork. So. so why did he not want his name uh, with that? A.L. Todd in the early 30s was very politically active. In fact, he ran or almost ran for the Senate, almost ran for governor. He is the only Tennessean who served as the Speaker of the State House and Speaker of the State Senate. Hmm. Only one to have the, both of those positions. And uh, according to uh, a family history written by one of his descendants and also my own research, it was his vote while sitting as the uh, Speaker of the Senate mm -hmm. that passed the Women's Suffrage Amendment. And uh, probably had something to do with his own political ambitions at the time. He was clearly the wealthiest man in the area, the most influential man in the area. And we all uh, should know that part of town, Toddington, uh, Todd Lake, mm -hmm. all that, as well as his original home that he built, uh, or was custom built for him, which is on the corner of East Main and what's now Middle Tennessee Boulevard beautiful house across from the grocery store across mm. from the president's home yeah right there uh, so uh, Jatun obviously benefited from a personal relationship with uh, Todd during that time but why he went all the way to Mexico with a uh, uh, scandalized uh, former secretary of the interior I have no idea somehow or another there was a contact there and I don't find any evidence that Fall ever that uh, Fall, the Secretary of the Interior, had anything to do with Tennessee or Murfreesboro or Cumberland College. Uh, but something brought them together because they practiced out there for it was about five years. The wheels of justice moved slowly between the time that Fall uh, resigned in disgrace and eventually was convicted of a bribery and spent time in jail uh, and it was those years in between that uh, he and Jatun were partners well it's good in, in today's world that we don't have people like that isn't it <laughs> I thought you were going to say that, that we don't have a way of knowing exactly what actually, actually we don't <laughs> Bless their hearts. You know, you're talking about Cannon County. You can't you can't even say Rutherford County without saying Cannon County, can you? No, because of the great influence that Cannon County has had, and uh, they have a new basketball coach, a new girls basketball coach, and uh, he, he is Bud Brandon. And they have a lot of connections to the Cannons and all the uh, uh, past. Uh, uh, leaders that have come out of uh, Cannon County, and and I'm going to have him on the show this week, and 
that's going to be interesting. And and a lot of people remember Campbell Brandon, who was probably uh, is considered the best girls coach uh, that that was ever in Rutherford County. Of course, you've got to put him in there with Rick Ansel and all the others that are involved in that. But uh, uh, it's going to be a special day. And Charles Brandon, class of '59, uh, the leader of the football team, uh, that would be his uncle. So. And a lot of the old Murfreesboro people need to be listening in. Well, Ruth Brandon, I think, was Campbell's mother. Yes, she was. And uh, she and my father were second and third cousins. So. Oh, really? Yeah, last time I talked to her daughter, I mentioned that uh, somewhere back there we're all all related. Well, I can see that because I can remember Ruth running on the baseball field many times, very unhappy with some of the officiating that was going on in those days. Well, (laughs) you moved. I moved. I did. Yeah. Yeah, You need to signal your moves. Hey, listeners, I'm getting ready to shift around in my chair. Uh, But, uh, yeah. A question came up. about the neighborhood out where I live, mm-hmm. uh, up from Donald's Chapel, there's an area along Cripple Creek there where the Caffey name is very prominent. Yeah, that's my bunch. That's your bunch. Yeah. Well, there's a ca- old Caffey home on Cripple Creek Road. Yeah, and that's, my mom was born in that house. All right. Well, that's what I was going to ask because there's also a very big, used to be a dairy farm, Caffey, Mm-hmm. Over on what's now called Feral Hollow Road. Yeah. At one time, that was considered a branch of Cripple Creek. They're Cripple. all related, everyone. <clears throat> all related. And yeah. there's a third cafe home, and I'm looking at a map in the 1870s that uh, shows three cafe homes, but all centered in that area. The one I see most often, though, is the one on Cripple Creek, which yeah. is not inhabited, but still there. My granddaddy was actually born in 1863. Uh with some concern about getting into sensitive family matters, who was J. Hall Caffey? That was my granddaddy. What was your granddaddy? Mm-hmm. And is he the one that uh, died in 1931? Suicide? Mm. Yes, that was him. Yeah, I came across a clipping. About they found him in the, a barn hung, hung himself. Yeah, and he was had told him he was going out. My to the, mom would be very unhappy with me telling that. Yeah, well, he... He went out to the barn to shuck corn, is mm-hmm. what the newspaper yeah. said, after spending most of the day uh, chopping firewood. So he was apparently in pretty good condition, shape. Yeah, yeah. He, he, active farmer. They said he was an ox of a man. He was very <coughs> strong. But uh, he, uh, he had 11 children, and uh, they were spread out about every two or three years. And he was uh, 20-something years older than my grandmother. Hmm. So, And she was a midwife in that area. That's interesting. Yeah. So, Well, next time you and I are driving around that area, let's stop and walk around the old house. Uh, yeah, I'd like to. <clears throat> I don't think the family would have any objections to that. No. Not now. No, they wouldn't. Yeah. Actually, it's been a long time since uh, any of the, our family has been visiting over at that house. But uh used to go hunting all over. It was, uh, um, well, it was a special the, place. Between the two major houses is Cripple Creek, the creek itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'd be interesting 
to know what was the original cafe holding there. I yeah. imagine it was quite a quite a large estate originally. It was. Did you did you uh, look at the spelling of the last name? Well, it was. Uh, I did find a clipping on it uh, on uh, the suicide, and uh, the name in the text is C A F F E Y. The name in the headline though was C O. No, 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 no. I think the C O was probably a that, that's not right. Mistake, yeah. The uh, it was spelt two different ways: one with the E, and uh, the other one without the E. C A F F Y or C A F F E Y. My mother always claimed that the uh, original spelling was without the E. Without the yeah, e. she was very unhappy that they changed the spelling of the name. Well, that's not all that uncommon. Uh, but uh, the obituary at the time did have the E in it. Yeah. J. Hall Cafe. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that was, they never get anything right anyway, even back then. Uh, not a little bit of trivia talking mm-hmm. about untimely uh, losses. Uh, James Robert Ward, mm-hmm. an eight-year-old in Fosterville, and what caught my interest on this one, because I, I did not know the, anything about the family, uh, he died at the age of eight of poisoning. Hmm. And uh, digging around, I found the uh, medical name of that period for the type of poisoning, and you couldn't—I couldn't even pronounce it—pithecic or something of that nature. But ran that down. And it was, I think, the only official death recorded in that period from poke root. Hmm. You're talking about poke salad or something? Yeah. I mean, all of us, I would think, or most of us raised in the country or lived in the country had occasion to deal with pokeweed. Yeah, we ate it. And we did, too. And I do remember, though, early on being cautioned either by something I read or somebody in the area that uh, you pick the fresh green leaves off the top of the plant mm-hmm. and boil them, and then you pour off the boiled water. And I thought, why do you pour off the, the water? And they said, well, it's actually poisonous, so you pour off the water. My mother and, made it. Yeah, and then that takes off the poison, and we mm-hmm. ate it like turnip greens or spinach or yeah. something like that. Uh, in fact, I can remember having an older fellow working on the farm with me. <laughs> working on the farm with me and he asked if he could pick all the poke and he got him a basket and took home a bushel basket full of poke that they ate but apparently the extent there is any poison in it it really is heavily concentrated in the root Mm -hmm. and uh, in this case the family had uh, in fact it was some suggestion that they either mistook or thought it looked like uh, rutabaga the root. If you ever dig one up, it does have a big root ball. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, the child, uh, with others, ate the uh, dish prepared from the poke root. And apparently, a number of them were sick, you know, very severe gastric kind of symptoms. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I can imagine an eight year old fairly easily dehydrated and probably fell into a coma before they even sought medical advice. Yeah. Uh, but uh, well, next time I talk to uh, 
Dan Rudd. I'll ask him about poke root poisoning. How many cases of that he's he's seen? And I'll guarantee you he'll know all about it. He probably will. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Greg Tucker. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. You are invited to kick off the holiday season at the Downtown Holiday Marketplace event Friday, November 6th from 6 to 9 p.m. There will be over 30 boutiques, restaurants, and entertainment venues open. The Murfreesboro Art Crawl will be participating along with area musicians in the downtown stores for your enjoyment. Bring your friends, walk around the downtown area, and find unique gifts while getting in the holiday spirit. Take the pledge. Support local this holiday season downtown. It's a slick pig barbecue. Spicy wings and Brunswick stew. Everything made fresh for you at the slick pig barbecue. There's lean smoked turkey and chicken too. Ribs so tender don't need to chew. Well, come on, folks, I'm telling you, it's a slick pig barbecue. In 1920 East Main, you're going to love the pig. The slick pig barbecue, a Murfreesboro tradition. Now's the time to start teaching good financial habits to your children, and we're here to help. Hi, I'm Nancy with Heritage South Community Credit Union. Our chipmunk and squirrel saver accounts help your child learn how to save and reward them for regular deposits or good grades. Our team cash accounts help your team learn to manage their money wisely and have options to build their credit. To learn more, visit our website, HeritageSouth.org, insured by the NCUA. At Ascension St. Thomas, care is more than a word. Care is serving our patients, standing with them in times of need, and showing compassion when they're at their most vulnerable. Care is listening and delivering personalized plans from a team of specialists, providing leading-edge treatments at every step. At Ascension St. Thomas, care is more than a word. It's our calling. Make your next appointment at GetSTHealthCare.com. MTSU's College of Liberal Arts and the Sin Federal Credit Union present MTSU Arts, your ticket to hundreds of visual and performing arts events each year. During our 2020-2021 season, you can enjoy events virtually from the comfort of your own living room. Join the MTSU Arts Patron Society and enjoy member-only benefits. Visit mtsu.edu slash mtsuarts to learn more and join today. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Sunday afternoon, Rutherford County Fire and Rescue answered a call to a structure fire at 1610 Flat Rock Road. That's about a quarter mile off Halls Hill Pike between the Elks Lodge and Daniel McKee School. Rutherford Fire Chief Larry Farley told News Radio WGNS. When they got on the scene, it was a large shed, outdoor shed that was on fire, but it was quickly spreading to a house and a mobile home. We have a hydrant right there on Flat Rock Road, and we were able to start a pretty good attack on the fire, and when uh, kept it from spreading, so the guys did a good job. The county fire marshal conducting an investigation to find out what started the fire. Online sports gambling is live in Tennessee. 
As of Sunday, four companies are offering online sports betting in the state. Legislation to legalize that passed last year. Some analysts say legalized sports betting will be a financial benefit to the state, with gamblers visiting Tennessee to place their bets. Governor Bill Lee extending Tennessee's state of emergency due to the ongoing coronavirus outbreak. Governor Lee said about 62% of the state's population is now under a mask mandate. The annual Murfreesboro Christmas Parade is set for 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon, December 13th. This year, WGNS is joined by the Murfreesboro Parks and Recreation Department and Director Nate Williams. Uh, we're excited about some of the floats. We want to see some of the biggest and best floats that people can come up with, and we're very excited to help put this on. Somebody said, what's the theme? I said, it's going to be Christmas. There is no entry fee to be in this year's parade, but people still must complete an entry form and agree to adhere to the guidelines of the parade. Details on everything you need to know about it you can find online at WGNSRadio.com. And follow us on Twitter at WGNSRadio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Hi, this is Lisa Halliburton with Bell Jewelers. That's right, we're making it easy for you this week. If you travel, don't worry. For Thanksgiving, our Black Friday event is going to be all week long. With your purchase, you could get a free TV. There's lots of great gifts that we'll be giving along with your purchase. So come see us and we'll give you all the details. So come see us at Bell Jewelers, Northwest Broad Street, across from Toots Restaurant. At Bud's Tire Pros, they care about those who live and work here because you're a big part of what makes this place great. This is Kay Mitchell at Bud's Tire. Come by and see us at Bud's Tire, 3600 East Main Street, or call 896-TIRE. They will be here through the good times and the uncertain times. For those who are out on the road, stop in today to see their full lineup of Michelin tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin has a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, they're essential, they're open, they're local. Visit them online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, high in the low 50s. Winds out of the southwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear and a low near 34. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 38. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes. For Premier Six Theater, they're now open. News Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back. And uh, we're having some sound issues here. I hope that uh, out there in radio land that, that you guys are hearing everything fine because it seems like... I hope they're not hearing that loud whistle or buzzing. Yeah. And right now I've got a waterfall going. Actually, I've got the waterfall back also. Oh, well, now it's fine. Now there's no waterfall. I'm glad, too. I'd have to take a break. Well, I, the the sound here uh, was just deafening. Uh, for But she, uh, thank goodness over here at Adams Place, our dear ladies come over and taking care of uh of the real loud noise, so I, I, I appreciate that. 
I don't know. Next week, uh, we ought to remind them a donut would help. I didn't see any donuts this morning. I knew something was yeah, different. There was no donuts this morning. Did you eat breakfast before you uh, left Morning Ride Farm? I had an apple. Well, that that was plenty. Yeah, that was that plenty. Was a start and a, a good cup of coffee over here. But uh, yeah, let's see. I, while we were off the air, you asked, uh, "Where do I come up with some of this uh, trivia?" And uh, one of the answers is, "It's by listening to the Truman Show." Uh, you had uh, an impressive uh, discussion with uh, Mr. Dehoff. Dehoff. Paul Dehoff. Yeah, and he uh, mentioned that his family business, they're on Broad, mm-hmm. is uh, very likely the oldest business in the county in the same location. Wow. I think he may be right. Uh, the only one, maybe he said in Murfreesboro, mm-hmm. the only one I think of that would come close is the uh, cab stand next to the old city cemetery. Hmm. I know it's been there at least back into the 40s, and I think the the Dioff business was 1939 that it was first set up. Uh, but uh, the cab stand uh, didn't do a whole lot of uh, advertising, so it's a little hard to trace its origins because what I do is go to city directories and phone books and things like that. But I do know that the, the uh, a crime was committed, a, a murder was committed uh, in that cab stand back in the uh, early 1940s or mid-1940s. So it's getting back close. And I think it is still operating, although uh, I haven't called a cab in Mercer in quite some time. Uh, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, there, there. I do. In <coughs> the... It, the uh, it, it's almost one business that it's almost non-existent anymore. With all the the buses that run here in in uh, in our city and and uh, what is it Uber and all those other yeah. things that are involved. Well, I don't it's say almost that, cut them out of business. Yeah, I don't say this at all to be critical, but there are a number of business activities going on at the cab stand back in the. Oh, what would that be? Back in the thirties. Uh huh. And uh, when uh, Rutherford was a dry county and Davidson wasn't, uh, you know, if you had a cab fare that needed to go to Davidson County, you brought something home. Mm-hmm. And uh, it had a little side business going. But uh, we've talked about that. that uh, you know, that, 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 now that you've mentioned it, that was so funny because uh, just before you left Davidson County line, there was a liquor store there. Yeah, and, and we all remember that. And uh, they every time that the um, you had a, a chance to vote liquor in here in uh, Rutherford County, you had you had uh, two groups that were together. One was the liquor store that would uh, always send money in to the to Davidson try to, County, the Davidson store. County liquor yeah. store, and the, and then all the churches. <laughs> would be in there together. They would be fighting uh, liquor by the drink. Well, in the event someone was uh, moving it, Mm -hmm. I can see that they would oppose uh, going wet, Mm -hmm. uh, dry up their business, literally. But then, of course, you had the uh, bootleggers around here that I'm I'm sure they didn't didn't want it in. 
That's who I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, other sources that I enjoy, uh, good friends in the local government who uh, come across things from time to time. Rob Mitchell the other day sent me a title page and some information out of a publication. I hadn't talked to him to know where he found it or how he found it, but in the as late as the early 60s, there was a publication called A Negro Motorist Guide. That's the first I've ever heard of that. Well, you were not a Negro motorist. And uh, what I, when I come but across... But I still should have known about it. How long ago were we talking about? Well, that was the first question I got back to Rob with. And he said it was the early 60s in the date on the book. He didn't he didn't send me the book. He just sent me some copy pages out of it. But the, mm -hmm. the part that he and I were both immediately interested in is what did it have to say about Rutherford County, Murfreesboro. Yeah. Didn't say much, but it did identify two uh, recommended business activities. One was Benford's. Amico at 429 Manny Avenue, and apparently that was the place for car service, gasoline, but also uh, apparently a convenience store, mm -hmm. recommended by the Negro Motorist Guide. And the other was the Moore's, M-O-O-R-E, possibly as Moore's Tourist Home, which would be, I guess, forerunner of what we call motels. Mm -hmm. At the corner of State and University, that would be East State and South University. There's no tourist home there today, and I wonder if anybody remembers or knows what corner was it on, because the address is literally State and University. Mm. Uh, but at one of those four corners there apparently was a tourist home. I'm guessing that probably it was a private residence that had been converted into a tourist home. Uh, but again, it's an interesting illustration of how there were two economies during the period of segregation. Uh, two economies, one serving, you know, uh, the black travelers, uh, business interests and such. Uh, but if there's anybody who uh, remembers that, uh, the the tourist home, I'd love to hear from you, get a little more information as to. And, again, I went to the city directory, and, you know, you're in the city directory back in those days if you respond to the questions and the questionnaire, and mm -hmm. probably a lot of it was door-to-door. -door. And uh, I did not find anything in reference to Moore's tourist home, which may not say much because it just uh, – some businesses didn't uh, make an effort to be part of the city directory. Uh, but I'd be interested in what family was the Moore family and how it came to be and how long it was operated as a tourist home. And of course, like a lot of other black businesses, the desegregation put them out of business uh, because apparently, take for example, a tourist home uh, operated exclusively for the black uh, traveler uh, once the uh, hotels, motels, and such were open and available, uh, all of a sudden you got a lot of competition that wasn't there originally. Yeah, but I I can see maybe, uh, but not always across the board. I, I can't see that just completely uh, wiping out, uh, especially a, a place like that would be where... Uh, 
you would have a welcome community right there with you. It just doesn't... Uh, uh, well, a tourist home depends on travelers. Yeah, it does. And on information, uh, you know, that there is a tourist home in the area. And today we we have our travel guide on our Yeah, uh, but we're creatures phone. of habit. And, and when we travel, we want to go to the same place where they welcome us in. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, so repeat travelers probably would, would know where to go. Yeah. But these guides were catering to uh, people who are unfamiliar with an area. As I say now, your smartphone does that for us today, uh, so you don't see many printed tourist guides. I can remember when my mom and dad would go to Florida. They would stay in, uh, <coughs> it, it was um, kind of like a rental place, but uh, maybe kind of like a motel in some ways it wasn't. But the people were so nice to them that they would go there every year. because. Well, and you know, Bud <coughs> Mitchell, Bud Mitchell goes to the same place when he goes to Talladega, Florida, because you, you have a, a, a relationship with those particular people. Yeah, in and confidence it, that you know what you're going to find. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, I, I like know. that. I think so. Uh, I, I've noticed since you haven't moved much, your uh, uh, sound is perfect. Well, you chewed them out on the telephone during the break. I figured that's what it was after they turned off the waterfall. I was not chewing out anybody. I was trying to be nice to everyone <coughs> that's trying to make this thing better. You can be so mean for somebody that's a country boy out and Mean to you? and Donald, Yeah, mean to me. Well, people turn, tune in just for that. You know that. <laughs> people love to watch me suffer <coughs> or listen to me suffer. Uh, it must be. It yeah. must be. Uh, well, let's see how how well you remember. We all know the one of the oldest businesses in the county, which had several locations, is uh, the Woodfin Mortuary. Mm-hmm. Used to be Woodfin and Moore. Uh, where was it originally? Wait a minute, you said Moore, Moore, and and you were looking for Moore's uh, tourist tourist. Home. You think there may be a crossover? Well, oh, maybe there? there was a crossover there. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, Alvin Moore, a lawyer in. Uh, Chattanooga. He and mm-hmm. I were on opposite sides in a case many years ago. I was working out of Washington, and uh, he invited me just to drive by and chat. And I thought, what? And found out that he was, uh, I think, the son of the Moore that was active when it was Woodfin and Moore. But anyway, mm. they started on the square uh, back in 1909 or right in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd been. Uh, Bubba Woodfin's grandfather at that time. Uh, they may have been uh, in business, but not in Murfreesboro uh, proper, somewhere out in the county. But I'd have to check with the family to be sure. But I do know in 1909 they opened on the square. And uh, when they moved over on to um, college, mm-hmm. uh, the building's still there. It's the old Elks Club. McCord's Furniture took their spot on the square. And I thought, okay, where on the square would that be? You remember McCord's furniture? I don't think so. I no. I think it probably was I wouldn't gone. have been interested in furniture at that time. <laughs> uh, the original address of uh, Woodfin and Moore was 123, 123 North Maple, which puts them right in the area where the banks were in that time period. Mm-hmm. 
What's the matter? Are we out of time? No. We must be out of time. Are you, you were giving me that look. <clears throat> and when you give me that look, it just almost makes me want to just look and not say anything. Bless your heart. I try I try to provide a program. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's a challenge. Actually, we have run out of time. And that's why I quit. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed it, as usual. Yeah, particularly the buzzing and the whistling. The, I, I've, I've never heard a sound like that. And it seems like it affects different things wherever it is. I mean, when I first came through the door uh, at Adam's place today, it is almost like my uh, ears were just bouncing all over the place. It was so loud. But you sound great now. And somehow, whatever was done over there fixed itself. Hmm. And we didn't talk about uh, hay rides either, did we? No. No. Um, oh, well. well tell, tell a little bit, real fast, about your hay ride. Well. My daughter-in-law says she wanted to uh, give the kids a chance to have a hayride. Mm -hmm. So I spent two days uh, laying out a course around the farm. Mm -hmm. Like a good uh, granddaddy. Uh, Interesting, the uh, name of our farm, we've talked about morning ride farm. I still have the wagon that we rode on Uh 32 years ago when we first were exposed to the the farm. and uh, that's what we use is the hay, hay ride wagon. Mm-hmm. You've got a beautiful place out there. And and you do such a great job with, with uh, you guys put out a lot of love there on that farm. <laughs> Little Cora, I mean, the, yeah. the, the princess. And, and I, I noticed that uh, you guys did not have any werewolves. And, and the sun was, I mean, the moon was just totally... Full and bright. I'm not sure. I heard I heard references to that a couple of times during the weekend. Uh-huh. I kept saying that's the that's my dog, but uh, he went along on a hayride. Oh, did he? Yeah, he ran in front of the tractor and yeah. worried the little ones about whether I was going to run over him or not. Now, how many little ones did you have? Had five little ones and seven parents. <laughs> I'll bet you that was the happiest place in Rutherford County. We had a good time. Yeah. All right, guys. We will see you in the morning at 9, and it's election day. So everybody out there listening that has not voted, make sure you get out. And if you have to stand in line for two hours, put your vote in because this country needs you. See ya. From NHC's Adams Place. Home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSradio.com.